Welcome to the Revel Podcast, episode number 43 with Robbie and Cindy. Today we're going to be talking about do you need to have your life together? Okay. Because the the thing that made me think about it was I was watching this other podcast um, called The Overanalyzers. This is a new podcast by That is a great name. Yeah, no, they that have That is a great <laughs> name. They have good good topics kind of like what we talk about. Um it's two brothers that are talking about stuff. But anyway, they're talking about so somebody sending a question saying, oh, I'm in my 30s and I don't have anything figured out figured out yet. It's like, when did you guys like figure it out? And they were basically saying like, well, we don't really have it figured, it out, figured out. I mean, we do to some extent do because we have a job that we wanted to get and we somehow managed to do it and whatever. But that was just a, the springboard. What do you think? I think it's a great topic. I'd love to talk about that. I well I guess yeah. I could ask you a specific yeah, question yes. did you have an idea of what you wanted to do when you got out of school <laughs> that is a very funny question for me because I have changed my mind so many times mm. and had so many different careers um, but oddly I am doing now what I dreamed of doing as a child like while I wasn't, I wanted to be a dancer um, and I never quite had the body for it, but I wanted to dance, always, always wanted to take dance lessons in a small town, no dance teacher. When one came, my mom let me take it. It was expensive. So I started just like volunteering in exchange for classes. This is like third grade. But as I got older, I, I decided to do, that I wanted to be a math major and be an actuary. <laughs> is that hilarious <laughs> somehow I got talked I thought that I wanted to do that and that's what I started out college then I then I thought well you know when I realized what an actuary really was I was like that's not me no offense to actuaries at all but just that is it's not my person. the polar opposite of I mean <laughs> you're actually quite skilled at that type of stuff you do have some something in you that's suited to that, but as far as what you're passionate about, they couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, couldn't be further from the truth. I could have done it very well, um, but when I found out what my daily life would be like and that I would be with computers and numbers all the time and not actually helping people figure out what those numbers meant or something like that, I switched over to teaching. I became a school teacher, but that really wasn't my passion either. And then I just kept trying to figure out where I fit in and, you know, then went to law school, became a lawyer. Then that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, even though I was very good at it. Then I decided to do real estate development on a commercial basis, which I would never, I would, I would, I'd be an attorney before I'd go back and do that again. But in any event, um, just circumstances, led me where I am and now I'm doing what my real passion is along the way all of those things my passion for helping people or helping people learn stuff you know that's what lawyers do that's kind of what real estate developers do they help the people all the parties figure out what this is going to be and why it should be this way um, so that part of me was being satisfied. And, and for long periods of time, I was quite happy doing that. But I knew that was not going to be forever. And then when we decided to open the studio and, and I got to teach people to dance, that's basically what I, I became like a dance teacher, which I was so, so satisfied with not running the business and then the, the next step into where I am now, which is the assistant director, not the director, of the place where I work. I get to help people, my, my, the, my employees, I get to help them learn where they're best at, help them you know, be a better whatever they want to be. Um, I get to help people learn how to take care of themselves. I, I get to do all of those things and dance. So I guess, I guess the, for me, if, if I call what I'm doing where I am in life now a success, which personally I do, like I am as successful as I've ever wanted to be. I, I love what I do. Did I plan that out? Did I prepare for all of those things to be where I am today? Absolutely not. I did not get my ducks in a row. <laughs> 
<laughs> at any point for any of the jobs you've ever had, did was there ever an in-between period where you said, hmm, what should I do next? And then made a conscious decision and move for it? Or is like an opportunity presented itself and then you took it? Um, it's kind of a mix of those. But like, let's just take from when I was a school teacher to becoming a lawyer. I love school for one thing. Love learning new things. Love to study. We were moving your your dad out of the college housing to where I was working and he had thought about going to law school um so we had these LSAT preparation books and we I was getting ready to throw them away and I looked at him and I was like yeah we better keep these I might want to go to law school sometime and by the end of that week I decided to take the LSAT and go to law school that's that's as much thought as I gave to it weird yeah and but and the thought of going really excited me, but I wanted to wait and see what I got on the score. Like, did I really have an aptitude for that? I thought I would, but you know, who knows? Then I did super well on the LSAT. I was like, okay, well this must be what I should be doing. Cause then I can, I really thought what I would end up doing was something more on the representing the underdog. Mm. Oh, Man, did I not do that. You went to big corporate. Big corporate. Big corporations. <laughs> big corporations. Um, and I did that, What well, was just, just another, another, the opportunity arose. I applied to every law firm that was looking for people in mm. Indianapolis at the time. Mm-hmm. And I got several offers from some small law firms, some, you know, pro bono type places, some nonprofits and, and from one of the biggest and best law firms in the state of Indiana. And so then I went to talk to our Dean, just like, I need some advice on like, how do I choose? And his statement made perfect sense to me at the time. Now, when I look back at it, I'm not sure it makes this quite, quite <laughs> as much sense for the person that I am. Yeah. But he said, there's a hierarchy in law firms like there are in many other industries. He said, if you go to a small law firm and you decide you want to be in a big one, too late. If you go to a big law firm and get some experience, get some training, which you will get really deep training, you can always go to a smaller law firm or a boutique law firm. And well, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, it makes perfect sense to me, except for that I didn't take the extra step to say what kind of what kind of things will I have to do in order to take advantage of that training I'm mean, like it's perfectly logical as far as making a decision you know that was getting my ducks in a row mm. but the types of cases like I had to foreclose on farms mm. at a time mm-hmm. when it was quite terrible um, on behalf of banks who certainly could have done something different. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say I never did anything that, that my client didn't have the right to do. But geez, Willikers, it was, it was soul damaging mm. to do it. Um, um, so, so even if you had taken advantage and moved to a smaller place, the stuff that you had done to get to that point was like, was that worth it? Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, like the way the way I ended up leaving was by by moving to China on behalf of that law firm because I felt like at least there were things that we could do that would be helping to grow businesses. Mm. I wouldn't be representing insurance clients. I wouldn't be representing bank clients except to the extent that they might be trying to do business in China or Chinese companies that were trying to do business here. Um, so that that kind of got me out of that corporate setting and then we spent i spent two years in china you guys spent one year but i i went early and stayed late um that's so funny a year now is like nothing yeah but to me that year felt like well i mean percentage wise it was it was a yeah. huge chunk of my life because i was only like 12 at the time less you than weren't 12. even that you were 10 yeah yeah so it was a huge portion but yeah just a year that's crazy yeah so but when the time came for that project to end and my law firm wanted me to come back, I was like, uh, no, 
Mm. I will figure something else out to do. Which then turned into commercial working as a lawyer. So how did you get in that? Was that just another just opportunity arose? And Absolutely. So I ended up, um, we were trying to do the law firm, the international law firm, just on our own. And one of our clients came to visit, so I took them to um, where I'd gone to law school, that city. We were meeting with some people, and then we went to the law school. And I saw on a job placement board about the size of this wall um, the name of a company that I knew where two people um, that I knew were at, one I went to law school with and one I'd worked with. And I, I, I literally looked at it and went, you know, I'll just give them a call. So I did, and they were like, oh, we need somebody right now. Hmm. And, and then I did it. Like, within a week, I'd been hired by them. Um, and that's how I, I made that switch over into real estate. I was actually a lawyer for them first and then went into development a year or two later. Also by my, just the person I was the lawyer for saying, hey, you'd be really good at this and you could make a lot more money. I was like, well, if I'm going to work for you guys, I might as well. And by then you guys were like, so you're, ready to go. Your yeah. job experience is very similar to how you do a lot of things where you just have the dewy luck and yeah. you just kind of stumble into things but you're you're prepared and capable but it's very rare that you've said i'm doing this yeah which makes the studio somewhat different because the studio i came up with the idea Mm -hmm. but it was just an idea it wasn't actually let's go actually rent a place and then turn it into a studio so that was more your taking the initiative but even then the Even idea was, didn't occur to you. It did not occur to me to do that at all. It, it Literally, I'm sure this is not what you said, but this is what I heard was, would you like to do a business where you could dance every day? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, sure. Um, and when I tell that story, when people ask how we, how we opened the studio, I often say, you know, you came up with the idea and, and then said, can we do it in your garage? And I went, no, <laughs> can't. Um, but by then, I had the expertise in law, in real estate law, yeah, in particular, it's how much, and yeah. shopping center development, which is where we went. Like, like I, I knew immediately where we could go because yeah. I knew that that space. I knew they'd been trying to rent it for a long time, and that we were the only kind of business that would could use one that had a tiny little front door and then opened up into this wide yeah, yeah, triangle yeah, yeah. space. Everybody else needs, you know, a lot of yeah. that. Anyway, so literally which, everything. that space is empty. Is it? Did you know that? I didn't. You should go take a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you want that mess in your life again, but as a small studio, it's a great, still a great little thing. I think yeah. they took out all the walls though. So it's just one big open thing. Well, that'd be all right too. We could figure that out. Anyway, um, where's I going with this? Oh, so I think my, my point of bringing up this topic is for people who are like looking for their thing, you know, cause to some extent we've both found our thing. Yeah. I was talking to the vlog today by, to the vlog, I mean, to my camera <laughs> <laughs> and I've mentioned this somewhere, maybe it was in a live stream I did, but I, okay, well, I got to give the whole story now. <clears throat> There's a podcast I listened to a long time ago of these YouTubers and somebody asked the question of all of them. It's just like a group of people who do the YouTube channel together said, how long do you guys see yourself doing this particular thing? Uh, when would you leave? Blah, blah, blah. And the main guy who started it, he was like, I am in it until the ship crashes, sinks. I'm going down with the ship. And for Adventure Archives, it's absolutely how I feel. Like I will go, I will be on that rudder till the last second, just turn it into the iceberg or whatever. <laughs> so like to that extent, like I found my thing, right? But um, uh, I think a lot of people wonder how you get to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I don't, I'm not saying this is like the final thing like this is that's how i feel right now who knows how i feel later or whatever um but how people wonder oh how do i do that and i think the for me the thing that has always been my north star as far as that is go with what excites you you know the the thing that you're naturally drawn towards you're probably going to be naturally 
better at it. Better at it because yeah. you'll just spend more time on it. Whatever it happens to be. Like the people who like, some people draw maps for a living. Like Octopath Traveler, literally, like there's a little credit that said maps done by so-and-so. So apparently some person just loves to draw maps and then eventually got hired to do fictional maps for Octopath Traveler. And they're awesome maps. I'm like, man, yeah, I'd love to draw a map like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the getting to the point that I'm at now was not, there's only one time, I mean, I haven't had that many jobs. My first job was working at an Italian restaurant. I worked there for three days and I put in my two weeks notice. Cause I was like, I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I had taken like this little leadership workshop thing and then it got me to break out of my shell a little bit. I was like, oh, you know, I actually do kind of like talking to people. And yeah, that's why I thought you'd be good at that. I thought, you know, you are so good at engaging people. I am pretty good at engaging people, but if you give me a task in an environment where there's pressure, it's like, that's, that's a whole different <laughs> thing. I might, I could have possibly gotten good at it. Like maybe now if I revisited it, I might be good at it. I don't know. It, the point is, is that that would, that didn't last. And then the next job is the only one that I really gave thought to. I sat down because I was done with college and I'd been home for like six months and I was like, I should probably start looking. <laughs> and I start, I was like, dude, what do I like? And I was like, well, you know, I really like the, the thing I'd been doing recently was watching anime on DVD. And I was watching Samurai Champloo and I was like, man, these DVD designs are really nice. Who made the menus for that? I know how to do that. I could totally make DVD menus. I had done it before. I took a class in college for it, actually. And <clears throat> I was like, oh, you know, I'll look for anime jobs because like I can speak Japanese. Like I could do subtitles. I could do whatever. And then I just started looking for jobs on like Anime News Network. And eventually I found a posting for a subtitler. And it was like, must be willing to work with 18 and our over material. I was like, I'm 18 or, or over. <laughs> Which that's a whole nother story. I mean, some people know about that, but I did work on some 18 or over subtitles. But anyways, the job listing had been there for a long time. But I was like, well, let me just send it in. I sent job applications to a lot of places. Uh, actually, interestingly, I also sent a job application to the downtown... Uh, convention center they needed a videographer to like make videos for the convention center and stuff and like make interesting stuff it's like in retrospect at that time i was not even close to skilled enough mm -hmm. but now they would be lucky to have me they okay would be with lucky no to have false you. modesty here <laughs> but huh. um no, they, they actually he was very nice in his uh, rejection letters like oh you got some interesting work in there um we're gonna go ahead with somebody else but thanks for applying so <laughs> I own, there's no malice stories or whatever, but for some reason that sticks in my head. But anyways, that was the only job, the Media Blasters was the company. I did subtitles for Japanese animation movies. Uh, you might've seen some of my stuff. It's like I did, uh, crap, I can't remember any of the names. The only one I remember is Moribito, which is a anime. I did some more famous, like, movies. What was it? It was like... Not Machine Girl, but like the sequel to Machine Girl or something. Anyway, that was the only one where I actually sat down and said, okay, what do I want to do? And then just thought about it for a while. And then I, I already had some skills that were kind of pointing in the mm -hmm. right direction. But then after that, we opened the studio. That was just a weird idea that occurred to me just from... But, you know, that idea did occur to me from pursuing the stuff that I liked and my time in New York while I was working on those subtitles, the only thing I really enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed plenty of it, but the thing I enjoyed most was my lunch break going to the YMCA to exercise, which is crazy, but it's true. And I remember seeing a Zumba class, but I didn't know that's what it was. I was like, man, they look like they're having so much fun. I don't know why I didn't take any of the classes. Yeah. I'm really curious <laughs> why, you, why you didn't. Why well, didn't? that at that time I, uh, I was still, it was like a... Oh, you were still very introverted then. Yeah, I was still breaking out of that shell. And then I hadn't fully broken out of it yet. I was getting there, but not enough to actually... I mean, it, oh, I did, actually. I, I went to a dance studio and took African dance classes. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. But that also contributed to the idea. Like, oh, you know, I could do this, you know? Well, bring it back around, because that was really another time where you actually had a plan when you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. Which 
at least so far, even with adventure archives, that didn't just happen. You, you wanted that to happen. Right. Um, I think our paths to getting to the level of satisfaction with our lives and the way we're living it really went two different ways. Yours, yours is a little more planned, but flexible. Mine's just dewy luck with lots of preparation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I guess the one thing I'll say is that you don't have to have it figured out in the sense that when we started adventure archives, not all the pieces were in place, just enough pieces were in place that it was like, yo, just go do it. There's no reason to keep talking about it. And maybe I talked about this in the last podcast, but I've definitely talked about this on the vlog. Not finishing something is the biggest mistake you could possibly make. Not finishing? Yeah, not finishing something, a project. Mm-hmm. Not finishing a project or actually following through with something is the biggest mistake you can make when any type of endeavor, creative type of endeavor, or like just whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if we had just, it's like you need to take what your skills are now and try to create the best version of what, the best version you can make of that final product that you have in mind. So like if it's, in a, in a job sense, I suppose it's you get into the field or you decide where you want to go and then you take your best shot and as many best shots as you can, but you've got to start taking shots. Yeah. You can't just read ha- about how to take a shot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, yeah. you have to actually enact it. You yeah. Know? I think there's, there's, uh, I, I think there's more of a balance. Like, in that, I, like, like you can't be totally unprepared. I can't decide today that I'm going to climb a mountain and go do it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. but there's got to be some preparation. But at some point in your daily decision making on where you're going, um, you'll get you'll have choices, and and you won't you will seldom be perfectly prepared. So right. let's say, for instance, you go to college to study to be a videographer. You aren't really a videographer until you start making videos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you don't get that much opportunity then. So you just gotta, you gotta go for it. My, my thought always, well, two on making decisions, it leads back to what my Dean said at, at law school. First, make the decision that gives you the most choices from there. So don't box yourself in. But secondly, if, you, if you're apprehensive about something, the truth of the matter is that there are very few choices that you can make that will ruin your life. You know, maybe murdering somebody, you mm-hmm. know, but then maybe you learn something in prison. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but as long, the, the question I always ask, is this going to do irreparable harm to me and my family and the world and my community? Like, like, is, is it a, is it so horrible to make this decision that I, that I feel like I want to do are the, are the possible, and it's kind of pro and con is not exactly how I look at it, but, but more of a, why not that a lot of people ask, like, why would I do that? My question is much more often, why not? Mm. Even, even like when I was, you know, a lawyer for a real estate development company, had a great title, had great, you know, good income. I was well-respected, blah, blah, blah. And then um, I had this opportunity to move into something that was more on a contingency basis. I could make a lot more money. I could make a whole lot less. Um, But in my mind, I just, all I could think of is why not try it? Like, why not? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, that's a, that's a philosophy, a way of doing things that I think a lot of people don't have. It's more of a, I need a good reason to do something. Mm. I personally kind of jump in, you know, my friends are always telling me I jump in, you know, feet first. I just, I just go for it all the time. That's my way of doing things. Um, and it served me well, maybe it wouldn't serve everybody well. Um, but I feel like as long as the choice I make is not harmful, Mm-hmm. to anyone then if i've got the if i've got the passion for it i should do it 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's circumstance can be a little different. So don't take this as gospel, obviously, because like, I mean, some people, because the priorities are different, right? Like if you're not even making enough money to like keep a roof over your head, forget about like doing the job you love. (laughs) Yeah. It's that's, that's obviously not going to be. So like, this is directed towards, I would say people who are in a somewhat comfortable position who have the opportunity because I mean, it is opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I, I'm going to add on to that, that that people who are in a very uncomfortable position economically, sometimes feeling like you got to be all the way prepared before you can get a move out of there. Oh, that's a good point. I I think it applies in that regard as well. Um, But unless you're willing to accept dewy luck, basically, um, I think, I think you won't get, it It won't come to you unless you're willing to step out and look for it. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta, you gotta be open to it. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too frou-frou-y, but, but I think that that is, is just part of life is if you're, if you're closed off, no, I can't do that. Um, I have a friend who wanted to be an architect and you know, he kept saying, but yeah, now I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go prepare for that. Um, and that'll be, you know, three to five years. I'm like, well, okay, but three to five years from now, you're still going to want to be an architect. He never Mm -hmm. did do it, but, Mm -hmm. um, there were at some point you have to, you have to just go ahead and, and try something. I think that is one of my biggest things I try to stick to is let's get the rubber meeting the road, get the rubber meeting the road as soon as possible. There is nothing worse than just talking about doing something and not doing it to me. Like I, I hate it so much. I can almost not have planning meetings, (laughs) like planning meetings. Like even when they're very helpful, it's just like, dude, this is pointless. Like let's, let's go out and click a mouse. Somebody start. Somebody needs to start clicking the mouse in a in a media program right now. Somebody needs to press record right now. Somebody needs to get something set up right now. You know, it, it it's so easy to get caught in that initial phase of just planning. It's kind of like how it's so much. I don't think you have this, but trust me, people watching. There's plenty of people who relate to me on this. How much fun it is to go online and plan your set up like oh man i can get those monitors okay yep and then um i'll get this amp to go with it okay and then i'll have this desk and then i'll have this set up you know what I'm talking all you weirdos no, i'm just kidding no i i i get that because i have i have passions for not that yeah not even- you imagine the things you'll make with it but didn't you never actually make anything with it that's that's a tragedy beyond words to me i, I and i it's a, such a tragedy to me because it has happened to me and I just, it feels so, like, it just feels hollow and like the world is just about money when that happens. Because then you just say, oh, this is just a pretty package that somebody packaged up and sold to me. And then I didn't actually use anything for it. And I'm fooling myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Actually, I have a real world example, like a like just a juxtaposition. Um, so a year and a half ago maybe two years ago, when we got here and we were putting up these curtains, I asked one of my students to, they were longer, I asked her to cut it off and hem them for me because I didn't have a sewing machine. And so many times I need a sewing machine. So one got on, went on sale at one of the local stores for a price I could afford. I went and bought it. It's still sitting in my room. I haven't even opened the box. What? I look at it. It's right by my door. I put it there so I would be reminded. And somehow I, and I used to sew all the time. I had this fear. I won't know how to do it. But compare that to the air fryer. I got the air fryer from Sunjan and Diane on Christmas. I have used it every single day. Because <laughs> I read about it. I did all that stuff. And why I haven't decided to open up that sewing machine. I have a fear of it, I think. I, I don't know. I'm just like, I have to thread a bobbin. I don't, I probably don't even know what that means, but um, 
when I was sewing. I do was, actually. I've seen it done recently for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, threading a bobbin when I was growing up with our sewing machines was really difficult. I've been told it's really easy, but I'm just, I don't know what to do. That's really weird. Isn't that weird? That's that, so unlike you. Yeah. Because you tear up the, you tore up the shower. It's just <laughs> like, just I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm sure I can figure it out. Here we go. Boom. <laughs> and then you just like this something that's completely reversible and <laughs> non-destructive. You're like, I can't do that. I can't do it. <laughs> I know it's really, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. In fact, I told my boss about it. Well, my ex boss now she's retired, but right after I bought it and a, about every two or three months, she'd go, did you ever get that sewing machine out? And I was like, no. That's so <laughs> weird. When are you going to start sewing? Um, like when when you and your little, and your brother were infants, like toddlers, I made all your clothes, all your sweatshirts and little sweatpants. <laughs> I made all of them. <laughs> I put appliques on them. I did embroidery on them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? There's a video of Senjian's first birthday and he's got a little cowboy outfit on. Yeah. Yeah. I made that. Every bit of that, except for the shoes, the boots. Wow. Yeah. And now I can't even open the stupid box. <laughs> that is so weird, man. I don't know. We all, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just not motivated enough yet, but my hands are sweating now. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of times there's some psychological component to things that you can't you can't really put a thing to it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. The other reason I wanted to bring this topic up is because I don't have good advice. Um, I got an email from one of my viewers who was asking me about how do you find inspiration to do videos, and I didn't have the answer. I gave him was two things, or he was especially like when you go on trips, how do you balance doing the trip? And filming the trip. At least I think that's what the question was. I'm not sure I fully understood it. I think I did. And I was like, well, two things. One, focus on filming what really excites you. Don't, if it starts to feel like a chore, just don't film right then. And then two was just film to make a coherent video. Because otherwise it's just a random bunch of random shots put to music. And it's not actually like a video that somebody would want to watch. Because it, it doesn't make any sense. It needs to follow like, okay, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, this happened, then this is what it felt like, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have good advice like as far as how do you make videos? Because, for okay, here's another example. I have a friend who someone was trying to tell him that he should start a YouTube channel. And he doesn't like making videos. He has no interest in making videos. It's just the topic. He's good at it. And he could make videos about it and there's definitely an audience for it on uh, YouTube. It's just construction videos. Mm. Like oh, yeah. Stuff. There's totally an audience for that. But the person who was asking him to do it, I don't think was realizing that the actual video making part is a whole nother thing. It's, it's like th the business part of Revel. Exactly. Perfect. Oh man, that's perfect. It's because you got to do both. Like Revel is like you're, it's teaching dance classes, but then you have to run a business. Yeah. And if you can't do both of those things, one they can't exist together. And then in the same way, videos, you have to have a subject matter. Like my subject matter is stupidity in my vlog, and then <laughs> nature and the other ones. But you have to actually enjoy, or at least not hate. not hate enough that you can get through the, okay, I'm gonna press film, press record, I'm gonna make sure it's exposed right, I'm gonna go back to the edit suite, I'm gonna put this all in, I'm gonna put it in order, and I'm gonna adjust each shot, make sure the audio levels are right, I'm gonna put music to it. If you don't enjoy all those parts, it's not going to happen. So I we were talking about it, and I was like, yeah, you could do it, but that's like a, another full-time job, and you already have a bunch of freelance work, and then you got a whole bunch of other stuff that you gotta do, you don't have, you're not going to have the time or the energy to do that. Like it's, I think especially with video, this is somewhat specific to video, but people have this sense that it's easy to do because the final product looks easy. So good, yeah. yeah. It's the same with wedding photographers. Like when people, well, wedding photographers, no, actually, no, I'm going to take that back because it's, that's not true. I was going to say camera phones are getting so good that you could, could take some wedding photos. You could take wedding photos that will capture the memory with a camera phone. 
you cannot take wedding photos that are going to look amazing like wedding photographers do. It, just because it's a single picture and all you see them doing is pressing this, you don't see the composition and like actually making sure the lighting is right and making sure the camera sure set up. Big, big shadow on your face. Yeah, making getting the the flashes to go off set off right and then just being at the right place at the right time. It is a lot of work. Like I have immense respect for photographers even though it might you might think that I'm just like, oh yeah, anybody can do photography. No, absolutely not. I cannot do photography. I can do videos pretty well, but photography, like you have to say everything you want to say in one picture. That's really hard. But anyways, for video, there's a sense, somebody interviewed Casey Neistat, hilarious interview. Casey Neistat literally disagreed with just about every question at the end of the podcast. I was like, well, I think you disagreed with literally everything I said, but that was a great interview. Thanks for coming. (laughs) And it was true because the guy just kept saying stupid stuff that was just, anyway, the, the thing he said that was the dumbest though is like, oh, this might've been a different podcast actually. Might've been different. Anyway, on this podcast, the guy's like, how long does it take to edit like each video? Like 25 minutes or something? <laughs> it's like, they take me six hours to edit. <laughs> it doesn't take me that long to edit a vlog. I'm probably a much faster editor than Casey Neistat. But anything under, the, I don't think I've ever made a video that's taken under an hour to edit. There, there probably has been, but... They're very few and far between. I remember one time I did this 30-minute vlog like years ago now. I went to Morgan Monroe State Forest, and then I just did a day hike. It ended up being like a 30-minute vlog. That thing took me literally all day to edit. It took me like 12 hours. And <clears throat> that was not even with distractions. That's just, you know, you just keep clicking, adding stuff in, and it just slowly takes shape. Why yeah. am I on this tangent? Oh, because, yeah. So anyway, my point was is that I have no idea. (laughs) Well, somewhere along the line, we were at, you know, you got to make a decision and move on. Right. But but how we got to that, I'm not really I don't know. Rubber needs to meet the road. Yeah. And otherwise, I just feel like everybody's... Yeah, well, it, one of the things that you mentioned before we started oh, this. Oh, right. I was talking about inspiration and yeah. how do you make a video. So, yeah, to wrap this up, the point is is that I really like making videos a lot. And I don't know, I don't think, oh, man, there's so many different thoughts at once. But for me, it wasn't a created desire. Like I didn't cultivate that desire. That desire was kind of just always in me from the first time I started realizing yeah. you could record stuff like cassette tapes. And I was like, oh yeah, you record the radio. Let's record the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were making videos with that big camera at home. When, when I never you, used the VHS one. Oh, you didn't use But that I one? did use the VHS-C one, okay. which is the tiny thing. But yeah, that's what we started with. It was analog. And then I moved to mini DV. And then uh, didn't make videos for a long time. Then I did the Canon T3i, and then I've got what I've got now. Yeah. But yeah, the just recording stuff. I was looking at a couch the other day, and I was just looking. I was like, and there was like a blanket on it, and I was like, yeah, I would love to film that. Like, I don't know why. I just I just like recording things. So I don't know how you find things that you really like. I don't. There's no like one thing. Yeah, I don't think it was like. Yeah, nobody just likes one thing. I don't think that's realistic or even a good idea to just be like, oh, this is my thing. Because if I had done that, I'd still be teaching at Revel. And at the time, it was my thing. But then eventually I realized, I can't keep doing this. I I do really like aspects of it, but I'm just burned out on it. And it doesn't excite me the same way it did at the beginning. And that realization, I think a lot of times you don't want to voice out loud because it, it seems like you're admitting to a mistake. Yeah, that's a pro- that you know that's a problem. Like right now in our world, right? Is that you right, can't right, right, right. Yeah, you yeah. can't grow or learn new things or change your mind. Yeah, yeah. Without it being in a personal affront to what you did before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's silly yeah. because it's like you change over time. Yeah. And the like, I mean, that it's very unlikely. But there could be a point in my future where I'm like, yeah, I'm just done making videos. 
I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not excited about it in the same way. Yeah. But that, I think, I want to go back to a statement you just made a couple of seconds ago. And that is that you don't, you don't really decide to have a desire to do something right. or a passion for something that's innate. And I like, I, and I think I've mentioned her in past vlogs, but I do have an acquaintance who is a wound care nurse. She loves that, that whole digging in and trying to figure out how to, you know, kind of makes me sick of my stomach just talking about it. But it's not that she is willing to do it. She loves it. And I, yeah, exactly. I knew you'd be like freaked out. Um, but man, that is something internal. That's innate. That is not something she decided yeah. that she wanted to do. But, you know, and wound care is a big deal now because, the, you know, there's lots of issues with getting wounds to heal because they're in our diet and our, our lifestyle does not lend well to you healing well. So she's very needed. But that was not a decision to like that. Like, I can't say, you know what? I'm going to like being an actuary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's never going to happen. And I think everybody has things that they like and not everybody's fortunate to make their living doing the thing that they love the most. I think everybody could be if we lived in a a fairer world. Um, But I do think everybody has the opportunity to take the skills and the desires they have and put them towards something that at least allows them to use that. I think we talked about that before, especially have. in regards to like garbage pickup. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be people who would just be super, super jazzed about garbage, you know, yeah. like who would want to figure out the logistics and everything. I mean, that's pretty utopian, but I do think, well, one thing I want to preface or caution or caveat. caveat is that we're not or at least I'm not saying like, go follow your dreams under any circumstances. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's so unhelpful to just say, just do it. Yeah. Just do it is really unhelpful. There are times where you can do just do it. It's like, okay, am I going to jump in this freezing lake? Because I heard that it's good for me. <laughs> something. I don't know. Whatever the reason happens to be like, like just do it. Okay. I got to do my taxes. Okay. Just do it. Get it out of the way. Great. But it's not a really helpful thing to say just like, oh, yeah, just willpower. Because willpower does not last. Like this, 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 this false belief that's peddled on people that you can just willpower your way into anything. No, it's, you got to work with your body because your body is it's much better than you. It is so much stronger than you, man. <laughs> it is like you can fight me for as long as you like, but I will win. <laughs> <laughs> You may have won the battle, but you will not yeah. win the war. So I will say, like, it's not all about follow your dreams. But I will also say that now more than ever, there's so many opportunities to carve out your niche. Okay? We've got a niche on YouTube that it, it's the reason we exist is because we found the people who want to watch our stuff. And not everybody is going to be lucky, but, I man... If you plug away at what you like, find your own. You got a you got a niche, literally teaching old ladies how to not e- not even teach, not just ladies, but yeah, yeah, just teaching seniors to, to dance. Yeah, you just dance with them, and it, it's like that is a heck of a niche. But it's you just it doesn't have to be world changing. Yes, and I it don't, doesn't have to. Be I don't at a need scale. to be. I don't need to. Like lots of people have said, you know, if you did this. You know, if you opened up branches and you did all this stuff, you could be like, you could, you could just like really make this into something. And I'm like, but it is something. Yeah. It's exactly, I I got my little tribe. It, you know, people come in and out of it. Uh, Some come back after a long time. But I think the point of what we're talking about here today is not to say you have to do this or you have to do that. I think it's to say, if you are, if you are thinking about it, Here's how we did it. Mm, Here's how you're not alone in, in not knowing what you want to do and being equivocal about, you know, should I do this or should I do that? And, and there's, 
there's more than one way to do it. We too illustrate that very well. well you are a planner, I will, I'm I, not. I will say that we are not exactly good representatives for people who are equivocating on what they want to do or trying to find what they want to do. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of clear what we wanted to do. Yeah, but, but the I took path a really, to get yeah, there is yeah, my, maybe my not path, so straightforward. I, I just did other things until I got here. Yeah. And and that, like, several times along the way, I had that. In fact, I'm pretty sure I said it to people. I was like, I haven't decided for sure what I want to do when I grow up. Mm. But I haven't really grown up yet, so I'm just going to keep doing these other things until I get there. And the, all the things I did along the way prepared me for what I'm doing now. Yeah. And... So we probably aren't, I guess, I guess all I'm saying is that we, we're not saying, you know, go do anything in particular, but that there, there are ways of, of looking at things different than I got to get all my ducks in a row and then move. Yeah. I think maybe that's the cliff notes version is, do you need to have it all figured out or will you ever have it all figured out? And the answer is no. no, just get it. Get yourself as far as you think was this was probably adequate or if you want to go a little bit further. But at some point, just put the rubber to the road and then just see what happens. On that note, um, leave your questions for us in the YouTube comments section of this video. If you're listening to the audio version, go to my channel and then leave a comment on this video. It'll be in there. But we actually did have one question from last week, and we'll probably start addressing questions at the end of uh, each episode. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so leave questions if you have them. We probably won't get to all the questions, but we'll get to some of them. Anyways, Mike asked the question, follow-up question from last week. He says, what if a person of power denies you the right to eat that chocolate chip cookie? And what that's referring to is I was talking about, man, if you, no matter what happens in your life, you, nobody can take away the experience that you had from eating that chocolate chip cookie. Just like the experiences in your life, nobody can take that away from you. Now, what he's asking is, what if somebody tries to take away a future experience or the experience that you're trying to have? And I don't have an answer to that because that that is kind of the problem, right? People are trying to take away your experience or trying to deny it, certain people rights to do whatever. My, the What I would say to that is that obviously could happen, but nobody can take away the experience of your inner self. I mean, actually, then they can try to brainwash you, so... That could happen, <laughs> but the the experiences you've had, okay, whatever they happen, whatever happens after that, nobody can take those away from you. That's yeah. what I was trying to get at. Yeah, I, I well, I watched uh, on one of the streamers things last night. A night in Miami. Um, oh, that's the Amazon one. Yeah. yeah, it's Amazon. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning it because it's an experience that I had last night um, a, in reacting in such a gut-wrenching way to the experiences of life that those four men had and having it brought so clearly and superbly done to remind us that our our experience of life is not everybody's experience of life. Like everybody's is different and good or bad for me, the worst experiences of my life have not been anything near that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the worst experience of my life have helped shaped who I am. And obviously it did the same for them and for the movement of the civil rights movement in the sixties. Um, and we haven't really gotten that much further in our country. I don't know if that's true. We've gotten pretty far. Yeah, we've gotten pretty far. But um, you do get constant reminders that it wasn't that long ago. No. (laughs) It was not not that. And certain, there's certainly people who have not come very far. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's still a whole group, um, I don't know how big it really is, um, but that would like for it to go back to the way it was. Um, But, but positions of power, you know, we are fortunate to live in a country where, at least right now, we get to elect our officials. Yeah. 
and there's not an authority as much as someone might have tried to be that authority who can take your chocolate chip cookie away. Mm-hmm. Um, it has, we have rules to follow. Um, but that experience of, of fighting for your cookie, whatever, um, that can't be taken away either. It's a, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I was going to, is that, that experience of you trying to fight for your right for that cookie. Nobody can take that experience away from, nobody can take your inner experience away. Yeah. Yeah. They can alter it like for the brainwashing and they can gaslight you and all this stuff. But no matter what happens, you did get to make the decision. Yeah. Like, I mean, even if that you were coerced into it or whatever, it's still your experience, you know, yeah. of like your thoughts. Yeah. And even if they were influenced or whatever. It's like, like you can, you can, you can use someone else's clothes. You can use their house. You can use their car. You can do the whatever, but you can't use their being. Right. Right. Nobody can John Malkovich you and get in your body. Being yeah, John Malkovich. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. You can't, at least at this point, as far as we know. Yeah. Which maybe is little comfort. Maybe that's not, <laughs> that's like saying nothing at that point, but. No, no. I think, I think that's actually saying quite a lot. Um, because you, we at least at this point in our, our existence as human beings, we have, we have many connections with one another. Like there's, you know, we've talked about it before. Like you walk into a room where everybody's mad and you just walk in, you know it right away. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to say anything. They don't even, yeah. they can all be smiling, but you know, there's tension because we, we have that, but no one can be you. Right. They can replace you. You know, if you can't teach tonight, they, but they're them teaching that it's that you-ness, that, that oneness, that experience of being alive, good or bad, nobody can take it. And I really think that's, at least that's what I understood. What was what we were saying is that your experience of life itself right it can't be taken away yeah maybe you're having a crappy experience in your opinion but yeah (laughs) or in somebody's opinion yeah so the other night after uh 8 p.m i made the conscious decision (laughs) to eat a chocolate chip cookie fresh bake one it was like this big Mm. and um i paid you the 50 dollars for it i'm so excited (laughs) uh but yeah, okay, I think that was good. Okay, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that was just about an hour. Okay, <clears throat> any final thoughts on, yeah, just for me, the final thought is just make that rubber meet the road and just, it, 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 how many times have you ever felt truly prepared? Well, actually, let me let me back it up just a little bit. I felt prepared plenty of times. And in those times, even when I felt prepared, when it actually came time to do it, it was still nerve wracking and you're like, oh man, but you just go ahead and you do it anyway. So just get to that point where you're prepared that the next step to actually doing it is always going to be tough and a kind of a struggle, but you have to push through that. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure I have anything to add to that. Cause I, I think that's exactly right. You, you will never be completely prepared. Right. Because a part of part of it is that you won't be even good at what you're doing until you've done it in the real situation, like just a learning a choreography for a class, right? You can learn it, blah blah blah. You can spend a ton of time on it, but when it comes time to actually do it, that's when you really know if you did it good or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets better every time you do it. Right. Yeah. So. Okay, thank you for watching or listening. We will see you on some Tuesday in February, the first Tuesday in February. February 2nd. Sure. I'm positive. Okay. All right, thank you. See you guys later.